Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Gianna Malillo, Assistant Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. Routine preventive screenings and vaccination rates have decreased due to the coronavirus disease 2019 COVID-19 pandemic. While the director of the National Cancer Institute recently warned delays in cancer screenings are likely to result in thousands of excess deaths. At the same time, a recent study found the pandemic could create losses of up to $15 billion for primary care practices. To find out what can be done about these setbacks and to learn why it is so critical to continue screenings during the pandemic, we spoke with Andrea Gelzer, MD, Senior Vice President and Corporate Chief Medical Officer for AmeriHealth Caritas. On this episode of Managed Carecast, Dr. Gelzer discusses the vital role telehealth has played during the pandemic and how providers and payers can work together to encourage patients to continue routine care. Hi, Dr. Gelzer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work? Good morning. Yes, thank you for asking me. Um, My name is Andrea Gelzer, and I'm Senior Vice President of Medical Affairs and Chief Medical Officer at AmeriHealth Caritas. I'm an internal medicine physician by training. I'm also board certified in clinical informatics. I'm passionate about improving health outcomes for complex populations, and I've been active in national stakeholder work in quality, alternative payment, and disparities for many years. I also serve on the boards of a number of national stakeholder organizations, including the ATA, the American Telemedicine Association. AmeriHealth Caritas is a large Medicaid managed care organization operating in 12 states in the District of Columbia. Uh, We actually began more than 35 years ago as a provider-sponsored, community-facing organization uh, at, at a hospital in West Philadelphia. The hospital at the time was trying to address really high emergency room utilization and find medical homes for uh, some very vulnerable individuals who kept showing up in the emergency room and weren't receiving routine preventive care. So the members we serve often have very complex physical and behavioral health care needs and the social barriers to care that our members face are significant. So for many years now, we've taken a whole person integrated approach to care. And really from the beginning, we've always had a front seat to the lives of the most vulnerable populations. What are some of the challenges of continuing routine care during the pandemic and how can providers address these challenges? Well, people aren't going in and it's great that people, you know, when this all started, heeded and continue to heed the guidance from state and local leaders to stay at home when they need to, uh, and to reduce the spread of COVID-19, especially as new hotspots emerge. Uh, and it's good that people are being cautious about minimizing their potential exposure to COVID. But that said, it's still critically important that uh, patients, individuals continue to safely seek preventive care and routine care for management of chronic conditions. And they need to do this because 
we don't want minor problems uh, to become more complex problems as a result of delaying care. I'd also say evidence-based screenings like mammograms, colonoscopies, preventive vaccinations, uh, chronic disease evidence-based care, like making sure your blood pressure is controlled if you have high blood pressure, or if you're diabetic, making sure your glycosylated hemoglobin gets checked and is within the guidelines. Um, it, it, for some individuals who are at higher risk uh, severity for COVID, there are understandably concerns about leaving the house to go to the doctor's office. And certainly this is particular concern, this is a particular concern to some individuals uh, that we serve who rely on public transportation to get to the appointment because uh, of the difficulty or the fear of social distancing on a bus or a subway uh, or because public transportation schedules have been modified and they just can't get out. Uh, but doctors and hospitals are being very cautious. I think they're getting this down and patients should get into the office if the office tells them they're open. They're so, the, the provider's offices, the hospitals are socially distancing, wearing face covering, screening, both the patient carefully and all the provider staff for any COVID risk. I also think we've gone a long way in making telehealth access more available to patients. Telehealth is really a nat natural extension of the patient-doctor relationship outside of the four walls of the doctor's office. And as we've seen during the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been a lifeline for patients, including some with complex conditions or pregnant women and for providers who've had to close their office doors. In our membership, we've seen a 5,000% increase in telehealth utilization since the beginning of the pandemic. And we've seen very large increases across the board for physician visits, behavioral health, prenatal uh, care. We've seen the biggest increases though to date in primary care. Recently, the director of the National Cancer Institute warned delays in cancer screenings are likely to result in thousands of excess deaths. What needs to be done to reassure Americans that they should continue with recommended screenings? It's really going to take a consolidated collective effort, I think, from providers, from payers, from local health departments, from consumer groups, all of us need to get together to help, to really articulate uh, and help patients feel safe about resuming care in office and hospital settings. And I think that this can be done through public health campaigns, through personal interactions with patients, but it's going to require a real multifaceted approach and stakeholder collaboration to get that message out to the public. Similarly, vaccination rates in children are down due to COVID-19 and the new school year is poised to start in a few months. What do you think needs to happen for this trend to reverse? Or in other words, what will make parents feel safe taking their children to the doctors to get vaccinated? Oh gosh, well, preventive care is critically important, especially vaccinations, which prevent the spread of other you know, communicable diseases like measles, which is even more communicable than COVID. But I think, I think we're going to have to get creative and find uh, ways to improve access, whether that's 
going back to school-based vaccinations, I mean, I'm old enough, I can remember being lined up in the cafeteria to get a sugar cube uh, when I was really, really little uh, for polio. I mean, we're going to have to find a way to administer those vaccines in schools if they aren't being administered otherwise, or maybe drive-through centers where everyone, you know, can get a flu shot, not just a COVID test. We also need to make sure we're removing barriers uh, that may already exist. So a vaccination doesn't require a visit to the doctor's office. If a vaccination can be administered by a pharmacist in a drugstore or a retail clinic. A recent health affairs study estimated the pandemic could create losses of up to $15 billion for primary care practices. What are your thoughts on these findings and how will this impact patients' health going forward? Well, it's really concerning to me that primary practices are at risk of closing their doors, especially given the effort to invest in primary care as the hub for patient care and wellness. Uh, there's already a, a physician shortage in primary care. We actually need more primary care physicians going forward. So if patient access to care is at risk as more practices close, this is this is really bad. And this is where payers can collaborate with providers, I think, to build resiliency and support them through the pandemic and even beyond. I think that support for primary care practices, including FQHCs, for the acquisition of telemedicine infrastructure, and not just the infrastructure, but clear instructions from managed care on how to implement it, operate it, and get it paid going forward is going to be critically important. And moving to more advanced alternative payment models has great potential to help in that those types of arrangements give insurers much more capability, I think, to advance some capitation-based payments to providers that can really be used to sustain primary care practices and keep them open. What long-term changes do you foresee taking hold in the healthcare industry as a result of the pandemic? In other words, how will this experience transform care? I think that we're going to be using a lot more telemedicine. I think telemedicine is here to stay. I think we're going to really begin to hone in on what is evidence-based care and the importance of evidence-based care. And uh, I think we're going to better understand, you know, it, that what were the nice to haves in a fee for service based system versus what are the essentials that need to continue no, no matter what. So now that we're nearly five months into the pandemic, what do you think health systems got right and wrong about treatment during this time? Yeah, I think that we're way too early uh, in the pandemic and really still in the first wave of the pandemic in many uh, areas. Uh, so I don't think we can, we can really answer that question. Uh, it's very heartening to see that providers have been as resilient as they are, uh, resilient in getting the proper protection to take care of COVID members and take care of anyone who walks through their doors. Uh, to protect their staffs, to protect patients. I want to concentrate on the, on the positives uh, and what we're doing right. And I think that uh, hospitals, healthcare systems, 
are uh, doing many things right right now. Is there anything else you would like to add that we didn't touch on or do you have any closing thoughts? I guess as a closing thought, um, as managed care organizations, I think we're going to need to be really proactive and even more creative in reaching out and engaging members. And especially, you know, as I said, AmeriHealth Caritas, our member population is, is a complex one, a vulnerable one, and we're going to need to do that to ensure uh, that our members continue to receive necessary evidence-based care. But I think we're going we're gonna to get better at it as an industry. And I think we actually have gotten, we've learned much during this. Uh, and so I think we're going to see a lot of innovation and I'm very positive that we will uh, get through uh, to all of our members and providers will get through to patients and they will receive the care going forward. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Dr. Gelzer. We really appreciate it. Thank you. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.